everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of LOI Central in association with futureticketing.ie and we're responding to the Monday night games and obviously the games at the weekend with Shane Sopel today, former Bohemians great, would have been uh, I think particularly impressed by the performance of his successor James Talbot in Daily Mount last night as Bohemians beat Shamrock Rovers 1-0, St. Patrick's Athletic won, um, Sligo Rovers got a draw so all this means that it's very tight kind of at the top of the table and both have emerged as maybe something of a, of a dark horse uh, with myself Johnny Warden, Daniel McDonald, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We have an awful lot to discuss today. Um, some of it true, some of it believable, uh, but super subs. It's just great to have you back on the show again. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, very busy at work. So apologies for knocking you back, Johnny, the last couple of weeks. Well, you knocked me back today, but in fairness, then you were coerced into coming on because you're between your day job and training both tonight, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I'm on my way out there to coach the academy there this evening. So, yeah, I slipped out a little bit early. You were doing uh, a bit of a, you were doing a bit of punditry last week, though, weren't you? Uh, I saw you standing next to Rory O'Connor at the game on on Friday. Um, yeah, which is sort of funny. Like you know, we we're so dominant. You know, we're so dominant in our thoughts is the Monday night games, but we obviously had a Friday round of fixtures too, where like Georgie Kelly. I mean, it was great he got the Derby winner, but he also did score four goals against Drawd on Friday. It's sort of incredible what a great weekend it has been for both, and in particular for Georgie. Yeah, I think he was unbelievable and on Friday against Drawd. I probably could have had six, maybe seven, like on proper chances. And I think he'd be disappointed not to have a double hat trick on Friday night. But he's come into you know, a great bit of form in the last couple of weeks. I know a lot of his goals have been against the clubs from Loud, but um, that was a massive one last night, getting that. Um, getting that goal and the 1-0 win for Georgie for the club you know Georgie took a lot of the stick maybe in the beginning of the season um, took a bit of time from to hit the ground a lot of things weren't going right from but like what a player what a, a great fella as well um, I wish he was there when I was still playing I think we certainly would have got to a cup final and probably Europe earlier than we did in the end um, but yeah no, things are things are looking good for both How do you feel yourself physically after retirement? feel good now. <laughs> now that I'm not throwing my body around anymore, I'm just concentrating on a bit of swimming and cycling to keep myself fit. So um, the body feels good. Um, so, yeah, from that point of view, uh, happy out, but certainly miss it. And nights like last night, especially after a victory there, um, I would love them to be involved in that. Yeah, let's get to um, some reaction from the game now. I spoke to Georgie Kelly and Keith Long. First of all, here is uh, what Keith Long actually sounded like at the start of the interview where I asked the first question in a huddle of journalists. What do you think? Uh, maybe Roger look a bit in the first half an hour within the better team. Well then, there you go. Perfect. Next one. Uh, I don't do many interviews with Keith Long subs, but um, yeah, that 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 reply was quite interesting. It kind of caught me on the hop a little bit. Um, but what sort of character is he? <laughs> I don't know. He might have someone might have said something when the tunnel coming out of that. He he can be a yeah a little bit narky at times for whatever reason. Someone sets him off or something. He, you probably took the brunt of it, Johnny. I don't know why. And I might like that. He would be, but uh, um. I know Rovers started the better side, you know, had a couple of chances in that. Um, as they usually do in the derby games, they usually have the first 20 minutes or half an hour kind of spell. And if they don't they don't score, then both start to play their way into the game. And, you know, mm-hmm. over the last four or five years, the results have been, you know, 
good for both. And, you know, coming from um, a game where, you know, Rovers have had the, the dominant passage of play and they just haven't capitalised on it enough, I think, down through the years. Um, and again, Bowes had that one real good chance. Georgie took it. That was it. Uh, thankfully, Georgie and Keith Long did talk to me afterwards. Um, and uh, here are both of those in a little montage. The, the consensus from the media there was that's the goal of a striker whose confidence you'd barely had like much of a touch and next thing, bang. Yeah, um, two minutes then after then I had to ask, like if you had asked me what the goal was like, couldn't really have told you. It was yeah. one of them ones where you just kind of instinct and reaction, you hit it, turn and hit it. Um, and I went then, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, delighted and it's, it's a great result for us. Like, is it confidence for you that you know, like your turn, Pico Lopez, like he wasn't there, straight into the bottom corner, bang, that was it. Yeah, it's confidence. It's a confidence game, isn't it? Um, and it's it's also subjective. It's a weird game. Like, um, you know, I played five or six games. And I thought I was playing all right and done well, and you don't score, and confidence is low, and then yeah, yeah, it's it's reactions. It's that little split second where you don't make that movement or you don't run, um, and that's the difference. Like, and you say you score a few goals, and the next thing everything's flowing for you, and and then got that one tonight, so it's uh, it's great. Yeah. Did you at any stage over the last year, year and a half, lose any faith in your own ability? Because this is you've obviously reached your, I suppose you're nadir of that time now. Um, yeah, no, I never really lost any, um, and I'm not listening. I'm not getting any big-headed at all. There's a lot of luck involved in football. Like people don't, people don't realise um, the amount of luck that comes that comes with it. Like uh, you know, the good the good's never as good as it seems, and the, and the bad the bad games and the bad times are never as bad as they seem as well. You know, so it's. Um, no, I never got too down. Um, you just keep kind of working hard and keep chipping away. It's the way it is. Like the coaching teams obviously work well for you anyway here. Yeah, two lads are great, Keith and um, and Trevor. Are brilliant, like uh, brilliant dealing with players kind of individually and and uh, dealing with players differently. Like um, every player is unique. Every player know he, like they figure out what each player needs. You know what I mean? Some you know. You know what I mean? Like people are different. And, what did um, you need? <laughs> I'll say nothing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the two lads are brilliant, and everyone in the backroom staff, Remy, everyone. Uh, it's a fantastic club, and um, I'm just delighted to be here now. Like, how good is this team? Uh, we're still a young side. Like, if you look at that team, we're still young, and there's probably lo- like you've Dawson Navoy, you've Ross Tierney. There's lads who haven't nowhere near reached how good they're gonna get. Like, they're still we're still finding out. Like the progression of even of Dawson, even of, and, and Ross. I've only been here what, a couple of months, but like. Since I've come in, the, the players that have come on, like it's massive, and you don't know where. I don't know where this team's gonna go. Like, um, your players like Rob, like you know, I don't know. Uh, could we go? Yeah, we could. The, we focus on Iron Slago anyway. That's the one. Like, so it's, and we're just gonna look to push on. And Europe's kind of an exciting one for us as well. Um, but we're not gonna, we're not gonna get too carried away. Definitely not. Like, um, that's a good result tonight. Probably didn't play as well as we had been in the last number of games, but we've been getting results, which is massive for us in the start of the season. We were, you know, we we're playing all right, and where teams are turning us over, scoring against set pieces, we're leaking goals, but um, we're turning kind of results or performances into wins now, and that's uh, that's the one we're just kind of gradually moving. We're within form side in the league, like so, it's it's good, yeah. Yourself and Tierney's kind of developing into a, you're kind of little and large, like, uh, but like he's, I don't know, he's just a player that you'd love to have in your team, I'd say. Like I can't tell you how much I love playing with Ross. Um, the run and the work that he does. Uh, people don't people don't see it like um, uh, and the pressure that he he puts he can put teams under um, invaluable like so it is and for me as well um, it causes turnovers high uh, in high areas like and then we can get we can get it wide and there's huge spaces then for crosses and for different things unbelievable I love playing with him yeah he does all my running so it's great like oh, sorry you lost three very big offensive players last season but are you even a better team now than you were 12 months ago the three you brought in and different different system as well maybe I don't know Johnny I think that's probably for other people to speculate I think we're playing um, 
a brand of football that's quite pleasing. I think we can pass. We've got technical players and we've got good players that can play. Um, and uh, that, that want, want to get on the ball and uh, work to get on the ball and, and we can play through the likes of Dawson, play through the likes of Ali, you know, Liam's a good technical player down the sides. Um, you know, we've got fellas that want, want, want the ball and I think we've tried to, yeah, we've tried to uh, evolve as a team, if, if you like, you know, and, um, you know, playing fast attacking football is what we're about and what we've tried to do, but... You know, we want to try and dominate the ball a little bit more if we possibly can. And we've seen, you know, some of the goals have been have been really high quality stuff. Um, when when you when you scratch the surface and you look at, you know, the the build up play and, you know, um, the team. Uh, you know the the ability and the want to get on the ball and desire to get on the ball and and everybody looking to take responsibility and I think that's really important for us. Um, you know we have a young side and we've lost players like you say some key players for us and we but we've done that perennially um, um, over over the years because because we've you know players have come into the team they've come into the club and they've done well and um, and and they progressed their careers through through being being at this club so. Um, it is difficult to replace those players. Are we a better side? I suppose we'll, we'll see um, come the end of the season. Ross certainly got a standing ovation. Sorry, uh, when he came off as well, another great ninety minutes from. Yeah, well, Ross has been outstanding for us this season. He's, he's you know benefiting from a, a good run of games in the team. But you know, last year was a bit of a uh, stop start for Rossi last year for us. So, but we're fun, we're really really pleased with his you know his honesty of effort is just unbelievable. His, he covers huge distance. Um, in the game and you know he's he's a good honest boy and you know I think he's he's really enjoying his football just at the moment we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens obviously we Stephen Mallon would have been a great option to have off the bench tonight he shipped a knock late in the game against Trotter. we didn't have that option tonight so um, there will be there will be probably players going um, and maybe some incomings but we'll we'll wait and see it's um, we've, we've got a couple of things in the pipeline but we'll you know at the moment um, we're pleased with the players that we have we're pleased to be working with them and we're happy to work with them because they hopefully that we can t- continue you know there's lots of growth in this team I think um, and tonight it's important that we got a result because like I said we are a young, young side you know I think after we scored they, they have a couple of chances and you know but so I thought we managed the game a little bit better than we have done in previous games so far this year Just on Dawson uh, he's obviously still very young but I think he had a couple of involvements in the goal like he's, he's no fear does he in terms no, of no, no he's a quality player that wants to get on the ball that's what I'm saying Big players taking responsibility but you can take comfort in the fact that, that, that Dawson is comfortable in possession of the ball so we, we look to get him on as much as we possibly can So, um, but he's not on his own there are other players there that can, that can play football too and They've got football brains, and, and and you know, football for me always starts starts first in in your head. Everything else is um, is a byproduct. So um, yeah, yeah, Dawson's been fantastic for us. He's been a revelation, and um, not necessarily to us, but maybe for you guys coming into the eight in the middle of the park. We see it all the time in training. You know, last year when 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 he transitioned from 19s into the first team. Um, we could see it week in, week out, day in, day out in training, how, how good quality he has and high quality he has and you know what a good football and brain that he has. And, and obviously, you know, you try and introduce players at the right time and I think he's grown. What's he played now? I think over 30 games for the club. So, um, yeah, it's really good for him to get to continue in the in a position that, you know, you have to be really responsible and you, you need to take... Um, 
you know, responsibility and ownership with your performances, and I think he's shown that for us. And some of the, the older pros kind of spoke early about him being very professional and having a good attitude. Has he, has he found his voice? Is he a bit more Dawson? Yeah. No, he's quiet. He yeah. still doesn't say much, you know. So, but he, he, you don't really have to when you show the personality that he does on the football pitch by, by commanding the ball, taking uh, control of situations. He will make mistakes. We uh, up in Derry um, late in the game, we, we felt he probably should clear the ball, and um, but that's part of the learning, isn't it? That you you, you know. Make, make mistakes in, in, in the environment and you learn from it and I think hopefully he'll continue to do that. Did he have the best keeper in the league? He was just outstanding everything he did tonight. Uh, I thought, I thought, yeah, brilliant saves, yeah. First half, great save. You guys are right up here so I think it's it's a top drawer save, you know, and in that moment where we were we were struggling a little bit, you know, to, to um, you know, we're conceding some chances to Rovers um, but, but yeah, I think I, I've always got huge faith in James. I think he's a great goalkeeper, a good lad and, um, you know, it reinforces that opinion. You know, when when you see some of the saves that he made tonight. Uh, what struck me about Georgie Kelly uh, afterwards, I don't know. He he just seems, as you said, so he seems such a nice fella. And I I know there were Bose fans who were questioning him at the start of the season, and um, I was watching it, and I I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Tierney has kind of come along as well beside him, and they've just dovetailed into this really good partnership but he was kind of in a bit of no man's land after the Pats thing didn't work out because he'd effectively been sort of let go by two clubs if you want to put it that way Yeah he had and it was a tricky one it was maybe a brave call by by Keith um, bringing him in after the spell at Pats and obviously Dundalk as well but if any club I suppose is going to turn a player around as both have proven and Keith and Trevor have over the years it, it is them um, and you could see, obviously, I'm around the training a little bit. Um, you could see how important he is to the group, how much the lads, you know, like being in his company. The work rate is unbelievable there as well. He's as honest as they come. So it was hopefully only a matter of time for him. But again, you, you just never know with these things. And the longer, obviously, a striker goes without scoring a goal, you know, the more the doubts start to creep in. But over the last couple of weeks, you know, things have really kicked off. And you're right there. Like, obviously, on Friday night, Tierney was involved in four Georgie's goals you know so they have developed a great little partnership there Tierney has probably been the standout player for Bowes the most consistent over the season so far um, and, and the other players are starting to gel now a little bit more they get to know each other and um, I think they are a little bit in a false position if the season was starting maybe you know four or five six games in Bowes would certainly be up there competing and you know they, they still have a great shout with so many games left what was the uh, what was the vibe like last night, Johnny? From your perspective, I I was talking to a couple of people there. I think I think Danny Mandre, even with a hundred people there, he still managed to get. I think some of the uh, without going into specifics, he did manage to get some of the Derby atmosphere, even in that sanitised forum. He did. It was. Uh, I felt sorry for him because there was a couple of Rovers players got a bit of slagging, but it was mainly him, obviously, and a lot of the stuff like he couldn't have made it up. He he essentially lost the ball like inexplicably uh, at the kind of sideline right in front of the Bose fans. He did a couple of things that he that were completely at odds with his performance, which wasn't bad at all. I thought he'd go game right in front of the Bose fans. Um, he kind of took it on the chin. And in fairness, um, 
there was a bit of there was a bit of lively lively attitude to it. But what Bradley said afterwards wasn't really untrue, and that Bowes actually didn't have that many chances in the game, and Gaffney had three or four chances in literally a ten minute spell in the first half that for various reasons kind of just didn't go in, and then Bowes kind of got a got a handle on things. And it, let's be honest, if Bowes have, have any chance of winning the title, they really needed to win this game. But I was impressed with them in the second half, Dan, and um, they're grown into a good team, and there, there seems to be like a lot of confidence in the management as well. I think uh, Long is very confident in the in the in the players he has, and the only problem they might have is like everything with Bowles, players get good and then they leave. Well, that's always the issue. I mean, it's a funny one. Like it's you mentioned about Georgie there. I mean, I did hear pretty reliably on the grapevine last year that. You know, Georgie would have been quite keen to to see if Shamrock Rovers well, might have been interested in him at that stage, or I think feelers were being put out to see, um, you know, if there was any interest and didn't didn't come to fruition for whatever reason. And I don't know did it, how far did it get, or did Rovers feel they were happy with what they had? Um, and it's funny how it how it happens. And and to be fair, like Georgie wasn't pulling up trees at Pats and wasn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't necessarily a case that when he signed for Bowes. Listen, I think some people heralded it, but I think others, you know, had questions um, off the back of that Pat stint. And even the first couple of games this season, I think there would have been a few people I'd be aware of of a Bowes persuasion who would have been quite sceptical. So it just goes to show it, like it sometimes it takes a bit of a run um, and a bit of, you know, confidence from management or whatever it might be just to get a player going in the, in the right direction again. Just on that subs, um you know, the criticism of Georgie at Pats and to an extent of Dundalk was that his link-up play wasn't good enough and that that's definitely been a problem in his game. But this season, it's definitely improved. But as you mentioned, I think an awful lot of this is down to Tierney and obviously Devoy as well. Yeah, I know. But I've watched him a number of times this season and his hold-up play is unbelievable and it's bringing other lads into the game. You know, he is fantastic. And as I said, I wish he had been around when I was playing. Um because he is a different, he's a more old school type of, of striker, maybe. Um, but both have those players in and around them as well who are intelligent, the likes of Devoy, the likes of Tierney. Um, you know, Bert coming in off the left hand side, you know, Ali Cute as well, probably not playing in his favourite position, but and they are starting to get an understanding of each other now. So it's starting to work. Um, and it's working in obviously Georgie's favour and the club's favour, and he's going to turn out to be a, a great signing. And I think he fits Bowles really well. The type of character he is fits perfectly yeah. with Bowles, the Bowles model. And just uh, just just on on the goalkeepers, so I, I thought Talbot as much as um, I've seen him make better saves because I think he's so good. But I, like he I, for me, he was flawless last night. But what do you make of him? And could Manus have done better for Georgie's goal? Well, I think if you look at the goal, I suppose, um, and you look at the save that Talbot made in the first half, they're far, fairly similar. Talbot's one probably mm. had a bit more pace on it. Um, Manus, that the goals at Daily Mount are a, a tricky one to navigate. To be fair. For the best, um, and the little mounds in them, they are can be deceiving at times. But I thought Manus possibly could have done better than that, maybe slightly uh, too far to his left. Looking at it, and um, Georgie's strike wasn't that clean, to be honest. Um, but Talbot made an unbelievable save, low down to his right, very similar first half. Second half, he's made that double save. To be honest, the first one he should have caught, <laughs> my opinion. And I know the follow up was offside, but but for me, they're probably one of the or two of the three best goalkeepers in the league. Um, Johnny James has been excellent. Yeah, Murph has to be included in that. Uh, to be honest, and McGinty maybe you know a close fourth. But um, yeah, James has been fantastic for the club. You know, the last couple of years. This year, you know, maybe 
took a little bit of time, but he he hasn't done anything massively wrong at all. At all, he's he, you know the lads give him or he gives the lads a lot of confidence there, um, and he's grown and grown into the position, and you know he's becoming a fan's favourite there as well. So you know he, he is a fantastic keeper, and Bowes are you know are blessed to have him. Um, what have you made of Bowes so this season in general? Because I I was as I was bringing up that stat I think last week they've they've just blown a lot of positions that were very strong and Rovers were doing the opposite. Um, but Bowes have kind of there was never really a sense to me that they were going to drop two points last night. They were kind of in control and they. They just look like a team subs to me that is just grown with confidence and, and is going out there really enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. You know, some of the results and the late goals and that, um, they've probably lost the guts of six to nine points maybe because of that. Um, mm. And that's maybe a little bit of naivety. You know, a young enough squad there, fairly new bunch of players, you know, coming in. And as I said, they're, they're starting to get to know each other a little bit better now. The belief in the last three to four games is certainly there and you know, obviously going into last night in the back of a 5-0 win against Strahada, um, you know, I was fairly confident of them going in. I know Keith had placed a lot of demands on them in the Friday night game as well. I think he made one change. Bucko was the only one that came in. So that says a lot about, you know, Keith and his belief in the in the team as well. Um, but yeah, like, it's just a pity the start wasn't as, as good as... You know, it could have been um, and they would have been certainly up there now. And they still have a great chance. You know, there's a lot of work to do um, to catch, you know, Rovers. And now it's six or seven points. It's, it's definitely with the amount of games left. It's achievable. Um, but, you know, our bows are coming from what they have at their disposal. Again, Keith is pulling rabbits out of the hat again. Um, just on that subs, because I was you look at the they lost um, a very good centre back in Casey last year. Uh, they obviously lost both of their wingers who were massively important. They lost their main striker, um, and I was looking at their bench last night, and actually look, their bench looked appreciably stronger than Rovers. Yeah, like they have a bigger squad probably, um, but the depth and quality is there. We've got a lot of good young players coming through as well. That, you know, Keats has, give, has given game time too. Some of them have stepped up. Some of them maybe are not quite ready yet. Um, but in terms of this, the, the size of the squad, which they're going to need, obviously, with Europe coming up as well in the next couple of weeks, um, is going to be vital to them. Um, but yeah, like the, 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 the way they play maybe has, has had to be slightly adjusted this year because of the likes of Grant Twardick going. You know, Dan Casey is a massive one. I don't think people realise how much of a loss he mm. is there. Um, James Finnerty not being injured. They haven't quite had a settled back four Andy Lyons has been in and out at times Rory Feely's come in there a few times and obviously Tyreek and, and Breslin they're two very good left backs um, Tyreek is, is, the, is the number one left back it seems at the moment he's missed a couple of two suspensions it's funny like Shane just mentioned the players both lost and I see uh, see Chris Twardek there there's actually a suggestion his club in um, his club in Poland might be willing to let him go so if anyone sees Keith Long walking down the street with a cat in the coming days they might think it's part of some uh, recruitment strategy but yeah, um, it, 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 I just it, it struck me as a fella who'd be a cat man now. But um, I, I don't know. I, 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 well, I don't know. I mean, you could kick a cat, can't you? I mean, I don't know. Well, actually, on you? that subs, is 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 Trevor Crawley like the good the bad good cop in the bad cop good cop relationship? Because or is he as angry as longer can be? Um, I've seen Trev worse. To be honest, I would have right. maybe associated Trev with more the bad cop, but. Uh, maybe that's evolved over time and Trevor's had to put the reins on Keith, uh, maybe. There's mm. public perception. But anyway, Johnny, I was just going to say, because um, when, Subs, when Subs was was playing, like Shane, you were definitely very fond of the uh, 
the, the old type media strategy, you know, not doing press before yeah. games. And people <laughs> always used to say it was a bit of a, a GAA thing. And in fairness to Keith Long, he's managed that this year. I think the, you know, the, the, the Bose media operation is, is fairly strict. But anyway, just to, to, to further fuel the claims that like Bose are effectively, you know, there's a GAA operation taking over the place in a certain way. <laughs> there's Philly McMahon in there now. As the performance coach, I know. I know that was only announced on May thirty first, and I know he'd been with Trevor previously in a slightly different role at Shamrock Rovers. But what's he brought to the party from what you can glean? You know, and, and you obviously would have dealt with Philly. So what's what's he bringing yeah. to the table there? Philly's just, I suppose, and a guy that he's available for the, the guys to bounce things off, to chat maybe about life outside the sport, and that you know more so. Uh, maybe he's a support for the management and that um, to make sure like I suppose a little bit what maybe not what I would have done but like what the senior players would have done there's not obviously the likes of a debts are there now he's more and obviously on the coaching side of things but mm. he would have been checking in on the players and making sure everything is okay with them is there anything outside it that they're not maybe happy with because you know if you're not happy outside of your football it's not going to happen on the pitch for you so um, if there's lads looking at obviously work opportunities um, out there and, and that, I think Philly's around for that kind of thing as well as maybe the performance obviously the high performance background he's coming from and like any good sport or manager and that you're always looking for you know ideas you know taking bits and pieces from other sports to, to help improve you that 1% or half a percent or whatever and I think Keith is so open-minded like that where a lot of managers may be in the game particularly in football it's a, it's a close shop and they're, they're wary of outside influences and that. Whereas Keith is a man who goes and seeks out knowledge, you know, wherever he can find it and better ways to do things. Like you don't realize because you're not, a, you're not around them, but the stuff he does outside of the game to make himself better, a better manager um, and how he deals with people. And I think that's why he's getting the results he's, he's gotten the last number of years, yeah. the high turnover of players and how he's produced teams year on year. Like it's incredible, really. You, you, you yeah, have to have a you have to have a team spirit as well, and I, I guess Dan and, and obviously just subs, just that image of Keith Buckley cycling off the pitch last night. I just love that because in fairness, this is a very humble Bose team. I'm not saying they're any more humble or humbler than anyone else in the league, but it is obviously based on the fact that you know they're in it for each other. They're not necessarily making millions of euro, and like there is a good attitude there. Yeah, that's it. Like, and I, you know yourself, lads, you've been around long enough since Keith's been there, and that's what he's had to create because they haven't had the big budgets you know I know you can say in the last couple of years obviously with the Matt Doherty money and you know Europe it's definitely helped things and helped them you know attract um, maybe more players but there's certainly their wages are not are not massive um, on that side of, but still you, you see with some of the bigger teams and Dundalk's budget that you still have to manage players and manage people and that um, and you know this player's on X amount why is he on that and I'm not on this and, and Keith is great at that you know and managing expectations and being realistic with players but it's the way he deals with them that's his greatest asset is how he looks after people and players um, and that's why Bowes have had the success they've had and it's not with trophies yet but hopefully in time and he's getting closer and closer year on year with that mm. Yeah I mean, you mentioned the dog there and we're certainly we're not going to do uh, loads of the dog because I think someone rightly pointed out we're talking about the dog a lot but I suppose the point is that every week and there's something happening there. We're not going to talk about the dog every week, but obviously there is something happening there. And just before we recorded or started recording tonight, uh, it was announced that Chris Shields has departed the club uh, for Linfield. Um, and I don't know, Subs, what do you make of that? We're going to have some audio in a minute. But what do you make of that generally? 
the idea that Chris Shields is uh, is leaving Dundalk, someone who's been a really big presence for them over what nine and a half years. Yeah, like it's it's probably disappointing from a Dundalk fan's point of view. You know, he's been one of the standouts, you know, over that time. Um, it's probably the the last of that group. Um, you know that were involved when Stephen Kenny came in, moving on as such. Um, and it is. It's. I'm not surprised about it. To be honest, like you look what's going on there at the moment, and I don't know everything that's going on just from looking in on the outside, and it looks to be an absolute mess. Um. So, like, why would you stick around when you can, you can only do so much as a player on the pitch, um, and the play seems to be falling down around them. You know, he, he's from up that neck of the woods. It seems. You know, he's given as much as he could to Dundalk over the last number of years. So, I know. You know, fair play to him for looking at other opportunities. Um. You know, maybe better for him and his family and, you know, his long-term career and what's after football. But it gets sad to see it's come to that. Um, there was always going to be a transition period with Dundalk with the players they lost and, you know, Steve and Kenny moving on and all that. And I don't think they've navigated that at all well. Yeah, yeah. Listen, let's hear a bit of audio from last night. Um, did we, did, did this initially did have some questions about Chris Shields in it. So they have sort of been, if it's edited a bit, that's because it was taken out. But... I did try and speak to, to Vinny Parth about maybe the plans broadly for peak six and, and you know, what, what is the, the, the strategy potentially going forward in terms of maybe the July window and cutting costs. The way the players showed it togetherness, um, they fought for the badge, uh, it's an old saying and all that stuff, but I think they've done it tonight, to be fair to them, and they've been criticised and I think they know themselves, they deserve a sentiment of criticism, but the way... They've responded to a big challenge in the local derby tonight. They deserve huge credit for it. Your chairman was quoted the other day as saying there'd be, you'd be sort of chairing a meeting between yourself and Jim at some stage later this week. Yeah, Can I, you I, shed some light on that? I haven't read the article. Um, look, I've met Jim three times in the last five days and we've been on the phone twice. And we're on the phone today for an hour and we're due to meet to schedule a meeting tomorrow. So beyond that, I mean... There's no chair in the meeting. I'm not sure if... if um, I, w- I wish he spoke a foreign language because I could blame it on translation, but there's nothing there's nothing beyond that other than there's, an, there's a, a meeting in terms of a recruitment, in terms of what we do. I think f- from me as a coach, I feel that the squad is slightly imbalanced. And Jim agrees with me. We're on the same page on it, so there's nothing more than that. And um, it, it, when we, we have to finalise plans ahead of the next week, week. but I'm sure Alan Matthews and Stephen O'Donnell and Gareth Keller are sitting down ahead of the transfer window and uh, Stephen Bradley, uh, Stephen McPhail and uh, Jonathan Roach are sitting down and it'd be nothing different. Uh, I think in the world we live in, if, if someone wants to make a bid for one of our players and it's if it's something that interests and we feel we can bring someone else in to the same quality or better, then we'll do it. But there's nothing... Um, that's not the remit I've been given that we have to sell players so it, it, beyond that I just I just need a little bit of time and the club need a little bit of time to read on that one and we'll announce where we are with it I just I appreciate you, you you've come in at very short notice to, yeah. and you're facing questions about broader stuff but in any of your discussions with the club have they given on the indi- indications about their plans beyond the end of this season like the owners I'm talking about here in terms of their intentions no um, and um nor have I asked I've, uh, my, my, my role between now and the end of the season is to effectively steady the ship um, have the players fighting for the for the, the club and the badge and I think they've, they've done that in the last two games there will be challenges uh, pros and cons we'll have some bad nights 
between now and the end of the season. And that's all. And, and I think, um, despite all the media speculation, despite, not the media, but again, despite all the speculation, I don't believe uh, all of it. I think um, there's no doubt we have to review where we are. We, we I mean, I'm not breaking trade secrets, but we have spent like a team that is a European and a, t- a league winning team. We're not there at the moment. So um, we have to put our cloth to suit. But it's not like, it's not slash everything all costs absolutely not so it, it, there's a balance in it all and the better the club do over the next couple of months maybe maybe the better we do in terms of uh, the rebuild as such so we'll see how that plays out I've probably waffled a bit there but no, no, I, I don't see what have you're an saying. answer to it but at the same time I haven't been told just cut everything and I really haven't and I, I'd like to emphasise that point but, but can you offer any input on say like all the players bar one are up at the end of the season in terms of the senior players can you offer any input well, on well, extending anything yeah, anyone? Well, well, the only way I can answer that to you Dan is um, and I won't mention any other club's name right because in case it's seen as pitching outside of Rovers most clubs are in the similar league for players it's, I would rather it was different we would rather it was different the players most clubs are in that situation generally I mean like most clubs are in that situation, so it's not that uncommon for League of Ireland players. I wish it was better. I wish there was real security in our league, but there's not. So it's not an uncommon thing. So it's part of the game here. And as a real League of Ireland fan, I wish that every player was on two and three and four year deals, but it's not there yet. So um, beyond that, no, I can't give um, uh, any sort of long term plans, and they, they will come clear over the next couple of months. Just in terms of what you said there about what happens in the coming months, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. Just to, are you saying, for example, the European games could be very important? No, from no, a financial ab- perspective, no, that's not your. No, that's absolute, not what you're saying. No, no. absolutely not. Um, I think it will help. Like same way as help any other team. Who else is in Europe this year? Um, obviously, Rovers. Uh, who else? Bowls, Bowls, sorry. Bowls, yeah. So the, the better balls do, the better the squad's going to be next year. The better Rovers do, the better the squad is. And we're in this, we're we're in the same boat, I would imagine. But no, it's not. It's not depending on anything in any um, way, shape, or form. I think. I think uh, it may be a corny answer, but I think Dundalk, League of Ireland, first of all, and Dundalk need a, a proper club and people that are proud to play for the club. And I think we've lost that connection with with people around the town and uh, over the last two days I think the players have really responded to that challenge I said to them and to be fair to them they're battling for the jersey and that's that's steady the ship all and things you want to call it that's the first thing I think we have to do and then just see where the journey takes us I know I haven't been told you must get them into tour de fort or you you know I think I think as uh, as the fans and the owners would be happy if, if there's a bit more positivity around the club and people really fighting for it. And just on that, Dan, I hope you liked the montage I did that it included a kind of what sounded like like a police, a guard a car or an ambulance or something going off in the siren in the background. Just because I think it's befitting the sort of Dundalk season. But uh, and that's not really actually yeah. answered his question quite well there. Well, I mean... <laughs> I don't know, like, like the, 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 uh, I think like Vinny obviously needs to be careful. This is just my opinion, um, that he doesn't end up being like the, the acceptable face for things that are going on, that he has a sort of status within the club, but he's like, he, uh, we didn't play the answers on Chris Shields, but like, you know, he was suggesting he had a chat with Chris Shields last week, but 
I would imagine decisions were made before he came in there. They probably didn't have any real um, input in them. And he's probably going to be the face to explain decisions that are being made going forward that he may not actually have had that much of an input in. Like another big talking point at the moment is Wilfred Zahibo, um, who basically only joined Dundalk in April. Um, but certainly, from my information, is, is you know the highest paid player in the club's history. Um, and and is, But now the suggestion appears to be that a couple of months later, if anyone was willing to come in now and take over his wages, I don't think they'd be met with opposition. And if any was sort of coy and answering... For replacement for Shields. Well, I don't know. But I mean, Vinny was sort of coying up on that. I mean, he was talking up Greg Sloggett in another interview. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I have to say, like, having watched Dundalk last night, um, the, the, as much as they won the game, um, I, I'm just not so sure about the vibe I would, I would be getting off them. Um, even just mean? small stuff like... Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, even just the dynamic between... Like, there's a big squad there, a lot of maybe lads who aren't playing, you know... Shane alluded to wage structures and, and the issues that can cause even small stuff, just watching the interaction between the draw to bench and the, the subs and the game. And, um, you know, Dundalk wise is all very quiet. Brian Gartland was there, right? Kind of were on instructions at time. But, like, there's a lot of situations to manage there. I mean, it's already been discussed that maybe players weren't totally enamored with the, the management decision. Um, you have Vinny dealing with questions about Bill Holtzizer talking about you know, clear the air talks between himself and Jim Magilton and all of this. And it just all seems to be a bit of a bizarre setup, really. Um, and I mean, I think, I think that the Chris Shields departure still raises serious questions. I mean, he is under contract till the end of the year. You know, a deal has been brokered to let him go now. You know, the, the, the dog statement thanks Jim Magilton and Bill Holzheiser. The Linfield statement was very complimentary of Chris's agent, Liam Carroll who actually, of course, would also work for the same agency as, as or just so Jim Magilton would also be a client of Liam Carroll's. And Liam Carroll is someone who would be very much involved in, um, has been very much involved in a lot of uh, business at the dock over a long period of time. And I think... That's I think pretty that bizarre, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's, look, in some ways, it's not, it's not unusual that an agent actually would have a very close relationship with a club that happens elsewhere. But obviously, when there's, there's um, you know, clients of, of, of that person leaving... I certainly think that's become uh, a subject of some scrutiny. Um, on, and listen, to be fair, what, one thing I would say is, you know, having dealt with players over the years who've been clients of Liam Carroll, have all always spoke very highly of him generally. And, you know, an agent is there to look after his, his players, really. So I don't really have that much of an issue with that side of things, but it's obviously more when the lines are blurred in terms of um, discussions around the, the club's overall strategy. Um, and, and, and like this is the point I mean Mike Tracy the former chairman did tweet something a couple of weeks back you know um, FFP for, uh, FFP FC which wasn't a reference I don't think the financial fair play and possibly more of a reference for that agency first for players and certainly um, there's a lot to unwrap and unpack about what's happened at Dundalk and I suspect that will be part of discussion still in the, in the coming weeks but we're not we're not getting um, I don't want to get sidetracked by a big dog chat because there's other stories in the league, yeah. not least the fact that St. Pat's are top of it at the moment, uh, which I think yeah. is one that is also worth referencing. Well, yeah, on, on that subs, where where is this title race going to go? Um, are Pats good enough to sustain it? Are Sligo good enough to sustain it? Do Rovers, who will probably say they've been playing within themselves a bit, do they just have too much for everyone else? 
it's, it's really hard to know. I think that's the exciting thing about it, maybe. You know, like Pat and Sligo haven't been anywhere near it in the last couple of years. Um, obviously, you're looking at the start of the year, you're expecting Rovers to run away with it, um, especially with, obviously, Dundalk and where, where they are at. Um, Bowes, you would have thought, in the last couple of years, finishing third, that they potentially would be. Whether they could sustain it, though, I wasn't so sure. Um, so, like... It's, it's, it's really interesting to see how it's going to pan out, you know, where the, the teams are at, you know, in the next 10 games, we'll have a really good sense of, you know, who's going to be challenging at the end. Um, and it could be for the, you know, really exciting. You could have the goods of four teams in there challenging, looking at it now, uh, if those can continue well, the form that they're in. Well, the, for, for this is the problem with the first division, which um, would, would seem to be apparent that Shells just don't have teams that are going to take points off them regularly. I'm watching, I've watched a lot of Rovers this season and I can name straight off the top of my head four or five teams who I, I'm confident are good enough to take points off Rovers. And that has happened. And I mean, Dan, this this we probably weren't really forecasting this, but I was thinking back to Derry's, I watched Derry against Bowes um, and Derry produced a great win there, but they were more comfortable against Shamrock Rovers in Tala. Um, and Rovers, I, I don't know what it is at the moment, but, you know, what have they, two wins out of the last seven? Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, and like late goals, you know, late goal against Longford, you know, okay, they beat Waterford comfortably, but the late goal against Longford, um, yeah, like sort of helping to mask what's been a bad run from them. And I don't know, they have a lot of injuries. They have a young bench and don't necessarily appear willing to, you know, to put the pitch these players into games. Clearly don't feel that they're ready. And it's it's strange, like, you know, that other squads like seem to be, there seems to be more spread in terms of involvement of players. And Rovers are pretty much reliant in some respects on this senior core and they're struggling to keep some of them fit. So, uh, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, when you think that it was a, like like the eighteen game mark in the season at this weekend, um, and after eighteen games in twenty twenty, which was the league season, like Rovers were that dominant. Like you know, I don't think anyone could even argue with the fact they won the league, even if it was an eighteen game season, because they 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 they, they were home and over the you know way over the hills, and clearly they've come back to the pack a bit, and clearly the pack have improved, and it's a question of like to what extent have the pack improved or is this more a case of, of you know, Rovers really just struggling with that problem to, to replace good players leaving, which is what good sides have faced over the years and found it hard to do. And this is the first time they've really faced something like that, um, you know, losing two at once in Jack Byrne and Aaron McIniff. And I just still think that that seems to have really affected them and they need to find some form coming to Europe. I mean, Richie Tell will be involved from July the 1st. That's obviously a significant addition. But I'm not sure if they've necessarily, I think we might mention this last week, they've necessarily figured out their best midfield options. And clearly the fact that Finn and Chris McCann and Watts have been injured at various times um, probably hasn't helped. But I think like we are now at the halfway point of the season. They are heading into a European campaign that will minimum involve four games for them um, because of their champions and then the parachute. You know, they'll be hoping for more. Um, and you have a situation where Flight of Rovers are going to be in Europe, hopefully progressing. Bows certainly, I think, have a good chance of progressing. And I think you have this situation where St. Patrick's Athletic are there now, um, have no European distraction this year, although I'm sure they'd love to have the money uh, from being in Europe. But they're going to have a clear enough schedule, um, not going to get congested by refixed games. And I think, you know, if you're Stephen O'Donnell, you probably might go to you can go to your board now and say, listen, we're in there with a chance. 
can you maybe help us in one or two positions? Because we we have a we have an opportunity here. And I really think, uh, while they're not the finished product at all, the fact that they're not in Europe, um, they it, it could sort of give them half a squeak here. Um, Definitely. Half, as much as Bowes, by the way, are the form side, and if it was starting today, um, I think you know you'd, you'd fancy Bowes, but but Pats have an opportunity because I think. I think both have a chance in Europe of getting through a couple of games potentially if they can maintain this form. But obviously, that can have an impact on you domestically. And it's interesting to see how Pat's fair with that. And before you, before we let you go, Subs, um, what could let Bowes down, apart from the fact that they're seven points off the pace between now and the end of the season? Um, obviously, if Georgie Kelly got injured or, you know, certain players maybe, um, centre-backs maybe got injured, blah, blah, blah. What could go wrong? Like that is the main thing. Georgie is the main one, really, for me. Looking at it, you know, I think they have um, cover in, in the most other positions. Um, like Bastian Airy hasn't Bastien. played at all, hardly. Like he was hailed as this massive signing. I, I don't. I'm not sure I've seen him play at all. No, I've seen him come off the bench a couple of times, but it just it doesn't seem to be happening for for Bastian. Maybe you know Keith doesn't see him fitting into the way he wants to play. Um, so it's it's an unfortunate one because you think with a player of that caliber coming in, you know he's going to give you something, and that hasn't happened unfortunately. But you know they've gone on with it and they, they've managed, and I, like I wouldn't be worried in that central part of the position of the pitch. You know the ten position they have Tierney, Devoy, um, they have Levinson, Bucko, um, you know Ali Cooten playing there. I think if Keith could add a like him at Twardek, maybe if he can get him back, um, that will be a mm. massive boost as well as you know, and maybe a support for, for Georgie if, you know, he gets injured. And obviously with the European game coming up and if they were to get through, they, could, they have to manage that as well as the domestic league. So that's going to be tricky for them as well um, if there was an injury to the likes of Georgie. But um, that's the biggest one. Georgie getting injured, I, I think they have enough cover and everywhere else in the pitch to, I'm, to manage. I'm sure Pat's fans were, um, their ears were pricked when you didn't meet, mention Vigeros as one of the best keepers in the league. Um, is that an oversight or how, what have you made of him so far? I haven't seen enough of him, Johnny, to be honest. Right. You know, I've seen little bits and pieces, but I haven't um, actually been at any games where, where he's played. Um, so I've heard little bits and pieces about him. Um, so, yeah, maybe I need to, to have a look and see. But um, I don't think there's that many at the moment in the league um, of quality. And there's been a lot of mistakes this year, a lot of, you know, silly mistakes, I think, at times from the keepers. Um, but, you know, there, there are probably four that I've seen that are really strong in, in the ones I've mentioned um, and it probably throws arrows into that is James for me um, mm. you know the age he's at but the potential he has you know James could potentially do whatever he wants to do and it could go back across the water if he wanted to um, I don't know whether that would be the case now or down in the future um, I know both certainly wouldn't like to lose him and if they were um, looking to extend it I'd, I'd be getting him tied down to a four or five year deal um, because he's a massive part of the club now couldn't agree more. Thanks a million for coming on. Cheers, lads. Good to see you again. Yeah, that was Shane Supple. Uh, thanks a million. Shane for coming on. Um, massive result last night, Dan, in terms of the battle to avoid the drop. With Waterford winning at Longford, and you do kind of wonder with Waterford's resurgence um, under their new manager, could they actually push for a position better than second last? And Longford, you'd you'd have to you'd have to wonder. Longford haven't won a game since they beat Derry, who were awful on day one. Um, it's not looking good. Yeah, I know it's it's um it's it's a struggle for them, and it's a shame really because I mean, they drew with Dundalk on Friday. You know, like is like you know that would have mm-hmm. been a real positive result for them. And you know, in fairness, Dundalk had put a lot of pressure and, and, and probably felt they could have won the game. But Longford could have won it too in terms of chances they had at key moments. 
but they just they seem to be and i mean this in the nicest way possible but they seem to be in the, in the habit of becoming like very honorable losers you know in the sense that um they're actually against the so-called better teams and the very well resourced teams you know they're really they're coming up they're coming up with a game plan to push them really close i mean they lost injury time goals to Shamrock grovers both times and it's actually but they've lost twice to waterford at some of the other games that you know where you think they'd have more of a chance that they that they really haven't performed and that's the problem to answer your question about waterford um yeah, I mean, like obviously the new owner Richard Forrest seems pretty enthusiastic, um, and they're talking about investment in uh, in July or certainly been able to strengthen because so many teams are taking points above each other. You know, it's it's any team that wins three or four games on the bounce is going to make a jump wherever they are on the table. If you know what I mean, so it's not beyond the rounds of possibility. Like I'm surprised to see Harps um, get pulled back. You know that, that that they've stopped picking up points when I mean I saw them in Shamrock Rovers a couple of weeks back and they were good. Like there's definitely a sense that listen, either the league this year is really bad and everyone's just you know as good as each other, you know, in the sense, or or that it's it's really competitive. I don't know. There's a glass half full of glass. That's the thing. Yeah, that. I was I was talking but to a lad in the league about that today, and he's like, "Oh, the league. This is as poor a standard as I've seen in ages." And Europe will probably tell yeah. that in that regard. Yeah, that's the thing. I understand that that view is out there. I've heard it expressed from from some players who've been around the block for a while. Um, in saying that, though, I, look, I think some teams have definitely improved as well, and you can't dispute that. Um, it was just strange, even. Look, there, there was that great montage of Pats, you know, the, the sort of, I don't know, 100 passes or something for a goal against yeah, the Like the, There was more pressure in a flat tire than the defending on him, you know? Well, that was, and it's really surprising for Finn Harps that, you know? They've given up. They've clearly given up. Like, I know there were two no, on zone, but they... Yeah, now I know Ollie had spoken, Ollie Horgan had spoken previously about the three games in a week it has really killed mm. them and they've always lost the third game. And I sort of wonder, you know, with the with the game up, I, I'm saying this as someone who wasn't at the match, like with the game up, you know, did, did did they make changes and mentally sort of switch towards Friday in some way? I don't know. Um, yeah. But I, 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 found, I found that very bizarre. I mean, I would say as well, from the Harps perspective, the, there was an early penalty decision in that game. Mm. A foul oh, or possible foul by Yaros and Owell Abbey, which was contentious. And, and obviously that was at nil all and, and the game could have gone in a completely different direction. So... Um, so Longford were unhappy, I think, with the officiating against Waterford as well, too. So, um, and uh, Tim Clancy actually, funny enough, after the dog game was also uh, not enamoured by by several things, um, including um, he sort of paid, paid an unusual, <laughs> he paid a sort of a tribute of sorts to Chris Shields and pointing out that he's leaving now after ten years in the league, where referees haven't figured out that every time he's fouled. Or he's he looks like he might be fouled. He dives on the ball, picks it yeah. with his hands. Yeah, he's, he's, he does he does the major at that, all right. And, and actually, I should say uh, with Chris Shields, we, we spoke briefly about his departure, but he's he's done one of the better farewell messages as well. Is a Twitter goodbye to them, Doc, which is the modern thing as well on on the notes, you know. And he's typed it out and posted it up, and some of it is quite standard, but some of it is very good. Um, I fell in love with the town itself, not just the club. In a town that consists of mainly pubs, takeaways and coffee shops, it was always going to be a match made in heaven. With that, special thanks to the Avenue Inn, Brews, Courtney's, Ridley's, and even in a dark time, prime time Charlie's. 
culinary <laughs> excellence that is the takeaway in the town isn't spoken about enough. Standard <laughs> is sky high and the smell of curry sauce coming from the Roma should be bottled and sold. Then also there's another line is there. Uh, my teammates through the years have consisted of some top players and even better people. And to them, I would like to say you are welcome, which is very good. <laughs> so it slips under the radar. There's a lot more about the fans, the more genuine stuff. But then his PS was, don't let your kids climb all over my statue at Oriel. It's a mark of respect, not a fucking jungle gym. So uh, <laughs> definitely, um, you know, he's I a gas say, bastard. Uh, he's, I is. He'll be. He'll be missed in many respects. But obviously. I obviously his, didn't mention Will, Will Patching is coming back to Dundalk, so everything will be grand. Like Will Patching is the best well, player they've had all season, except he's been playing for Derry. He's been he's been absolutely off the charts for Derry at times, and presumably he's going back to Dundalk. Say he's enthusiastic about going back. I'd have my doubts, but um, may, we'll, yeah, we'll he see, may like, frequent some of those places uh, Shields is on about. But uh, yeah, the football or, side or, of it, or, hmm. or, or or maybe not. Yeah, I'm not sure if he'd be. Uh, invigorated by the prospect, but we'll we'll see what happens. Will uh, he be brought down by the general malaise in that dressing room? Or ah, will he we're not going. It? We're not going. We're not going another than dog tangent again. We're definitely not. Um, what we do need actually is a pizza question. Sorry, sorry, you to put on that actually, just on Dundalk. If if I'm not I'm not going into this. Dundalk now have the have the prospects potentially of having a massive role in the title race because their players are so good. If they click into action and patching starts playing well for them, like the dog could take results off everyone, no bother. Like they're very, very good. They could do well in Europe. It's all who knows what'll happen. Who knows what'll happen? I, I wouldn't not come I wouldn't be sure about I, I wouldn't be sure about anything that could happen there, to be honest. I wouldn't be sure about anything. I mean, like, you know, if you start off by uh letting your best player go at the start of the window, no matter what front you put on it. Uh, in interviews like that would point to a slightly worrying strategy and maybe to some degree there is a sense of you know you're, you're after nine and a half years you don't want to stand in the way of someone who does have good family reasons which I can very much empathize with um you know having, having a young kid now I, I can imagine any move that limits your travel time every day considerably um I could completely understand the reasons for that and maybe some dog didn't want to stand in his way in some respects, but um, you could certainly raise questions about the, the broader direction of, of where they're going. So I wouldn't want to be predicting anything that's going to happen there in two weeks' time. Before we get to um, some first vision chat and John Caulfield audio, let's this. I like this pizza question. Star, our four star pizza question again. We didn't have a connection of ours when it last week. I don't believe. I think it was just no. uh, a, re- a regular, a regular listener. Just a fan of the show. It's the fan of which there are many. Um, I think he was a Rovers fan. Yeah, I, I missed him today and he replied like very matter of fact, like there was no banter at all. I think he's a little bit sore after the Bowes game. Struggling, okay. Um, well, today's question is with Georgie Kelly, top of the goal scoring charts in the Premier Division, and he's a Donegal man. Um, the question is name the last Donegal born player to finish top scorer uh, at the end of a Premier Division season, a top scorer or joint top scorer at the end of a Premier Division season. Donegal man, striker. Um, it's not a bad question. So, yeah, as usual, send us your answers at LOI Central pod on Twitter, hashtag LOI Central. Yeah, now, will we hear, it's, it's been, I don't know how long this show has been going on for, but we haven't had enough Galway United content yet. But the Galway United media officer is now going to provide us with some because Galway, actually started to win some games um, and you were even at them 
which is sort of uh, two very uh, yeah. two, two, two striking events coming together as one. Um, I've seen this one all season, yeah. So, but the Kevin Teeley game, I was home for the game, um, and it was just from the get go. You're like, they're going to win this game. They're very, very strong. And I, I had a had a four timer done, and Galway, um, Bowes, Shamrock Rovers, and fucking England, like, like England against Scotland was the last leg, and I was like, surely England will beat Scotland. The England, of course, win in a canter tonight. Scotland are beating three one. Um, but anyway, that's by the by. Galway United yes. did their job in the uh, in the acume. But the, the first region's a bit mad and, and so on and so forth because shells are kind of running away with it and the rest are in a bit of a bit of a milieu. But Alex Murphy, um, I met, I just referenced this after the game. I think Cork City fans might be interested in John Coward as a sponsor because he was keen to bring up a, a young player who's gone on to do great things that he um, had a had a role in when he was at Cork City. And tell us, and, and who who's Alex again, Johnny? Where not everyone listens to this show is on top of Galway United. Who was Alex Murphy? He's just he's a he's a left back. He looks he's kind of like a shell of a of a player in terms of he's big, but he's still very like um a lot of growing to do, a lot of muscle to add to him. He's going to be uh, I, I, you're making, a lot of growing to do. You're you're going you're making early judgments, but he he seems to have a lot going for him. And for Caulfield to be playing him at sixteen. It's a tough team as well, their physical team, and he's just taken it in his stride. And it's one of these things, Dan, that like he got he got a standing ovation when he came off. Um, or sorry, he didn't get a standing ovation, but one of the players got a standing ovation. But you're just wondering when fans come back, it really is it's kind of like Bowes and some of the young players, it really warmed them. The crowd would be really behind these players and these cult heroes that could be happening, just they're not because we've had it's it is actually really weird. I've seen this a year and a half nearly of no fans is bizarre because these players that could have been like you know fans favorites just haven't been because they haven't been there well when you think about it there's probably some players um trying to think even the likes of dawson devoy and ross tierney to some degree ross um, tierney's called rossi now which i didn't know so his name is rossi like that's obviously his kind of that's going to be his, his affectionately known by the Bose fans as Rossi and he and Devoy would clearly both be called heroes at this stage but they just no but my point back. is I mean I mean Rossi I mean like it's not exactly the most inspired uh, nickname of all time Rossi but it implies he's Italian like well, well, it's, or, well it could or it's just Ross with or, or a e former Dundalka system manager yeah like or you know that's it like Mark Rossiter was it because he was Italian or just because his name was Rossiter like I mean do you know what I mean yeah it's, in the pantheon of football nicknames, it would be down there. I'd say. I don't know why they need it. Like the Dublin, like Chris the Dublin Chris nicknames Shields are was nicknamed. Like cheesy, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But he, I mean, like, yeah, someone said he was nicknamed as uh, Tall Skulls, which is a very good uh, nickname. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. I mean, that's clever. Rossi is literally just adding something to someone's name. I mean, it's not mm. really clever. Um, but anyway, I was just going to make the point, which you got truly interrupted by your uh, by, by your tangent. That the likes of Devoy and Tierney, some of the younger players, have probably played more games in front of closed door, you know, behind closed oh, doors yeah, than they have in front of fans. Mm. And like, it's probably better that's where you're saying, like, like, he reckons Devoy has played 30 odd games, which is effectively this season and last season, essentially. Um, yeah. so like, which is mad, but it's a different world. But like, in some ways, you know, there's two sides to that. Like, if you're a creative young player, maybe like. Do you, do you try? I'm not talking about Devoy, but I, I've seen him play, and, and I don't think I think it's very natural to him. But just in general, 
like you know I know I, I heard a discussion on it recently that I think it was actually a UK football discussion but how certain players maybe privately actually hadn't found it too bad playing behind closed doors because mm. they don't have the crowd on their back they don't have that feeling Danny Mandra would have enjoyed it more than last night <laughs> if you're out of form and you're struggling you know do you, do you play the safe pass rather than trying something a bit ambitious mm. you know without fearing mm. the repercussions of I, like the angry I think Mandra so, did kick a bottle on the sideline at one point late in the second half which was again kind of in front of the Bose fans, but like at that stage, his head was probably a little bit gone, which I understand. But um, you can uh, hear more. The thing is, he he could probably hear the thing about a hundred fans. Yeah, is, you hear more than you would if there was a thousand in a way because it's the isolated, you know, the very well. There was a, there was a comment made about one of the Rover spares, which clearly came from the Connick Street side. So I don't know who that was, but um, it's you so, know so, we can well, only speculate. Of, well, I, I don't even know. I, I probably know that person. But like, I mean, I, I was at the Robert Spin Harps game, even with a thousand people at it. And I mean, there was a, a couple of punters in front of me that chance that would like they, they probably should have been in the south stand with the rest of them, and they're a bit out of kilter. But like, uh, one minute berating Ethan Boyle, and I, I did tweet about this, uh, berating Ethan Boyle, saying, you know, you know, calling him an orange this and that. And, you know, you played for Linfield. We'll never forget you played for Linfield, boy. Meanwhile, Anis, and then, Manus was hailed. But, li- but literally in the, next, in the next play, to use US parlance, like Manus made a save and uh, super keeper, super keeper was, you know, clearly uh, Manus, maybe there's a statute of limitations on his Linfield. Uh, La- last thing on, uh, on Rossi. When when I had my um my very brief uh, cameo as a presenter on Air Sport, I presented the game. Bowls were playing uh, Derry. It was a bad game, bad presenting, and Super Subs was on comms that night. And he said to me, "This lad Ross Tierney." I think he was like warming up or whatever. He goes, "I really really like him." And I was like, "Oh, it's kind of a name I'll remember." And then after the game, high after my sort of five out of ten performance, I went to the Bowls bar went out for like a cigarette and there was Ross Tierney's brother uh, having a smoke with me and I was like, oh, what's the crack? Oh, I'm Ross Tierney's brother and there you go. Yeah, there are the things you miss really in this. Uh, You'd miss the postpart, we look forward, I, I, I definitely, I'm looking forward to you telling mildly interesting anecdotes about meeting the siblings of players who coincidentally you'd spoken about earlier that there night. There was a bit more to it than the story, no. but I leave that to your <laughs> imagination. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's everything. Let, anyway, to go back to the original point, here's your audio from Galway talking to John Caulfield about 16 year old Alex Smith. That's what we want. And, you know, as I keep saying, you know, for, for me and with the Johnny with Johnny Glenn and the academy and the lads coming through and all the great work beyond the coaches, you know, as I keep saying, I'll play any player if I feel they're good enough. Um, the young fellas come in, he's put two games under his belt. We have to mind him. He's still only 16 and he's, he's a bit to learn, but you could still, still see tonight, like, you know, did fantastic. And, uh, you know, he's done really well in the last two games and uh, it's great and it's great for the academy to see that you know we're, that I'll put in guys if I think they're good enough and uh, and that's what we need and you know we're bringing we're bringing lads from the academy into training as well um, just to give them a taste of it because and show them that goal you know a lot of them aren't ready most most of them aren't ready but showing them that goal that you know what I mean you know there's an opportunity there and if, if, if you work hard enough and have the right attitude to, you know I, I wouldn't be shy about playing any of them because yeah, you need the, you need the youngsters to believe that the manager will play them because a lot of clubs just don't play young players really Absolutely, and we need that, and and uh, and that's and that's what we're go- going to do, and that's why I plan. And uh, you know, throughout my career, I always brought loads of young young players through, and 
you know, in my previous club, you know, several several guys, you know, there were all everyone's talking about Chidozio or Benny for Ireland last week. You know, people forget that I threw him in the cup final in 2016. He hadn't been in the first team eight weeks previous to that, and he, and he came on in the cup final that night. And uh, you know, I, I love young players come through. I love their attitude. I love the fact that they have no fear. And um, so you know, so as I said, if we can have a few more of those lads coming through, I'll be very happy. The funny thing about the the, the, the old Benny leaving Cork thing actually has did not go down well I, at all I, in Cork. I, I, I noted that you didn't put in afterwards and say, but John, he didn't play for Cork City again. He went to Limerick. What happened? Yeah, there? but like, well, first, first of all, I couldn't give a damn. Like, I mean, they, that's what well, we're I, under a bridge as in, in Cork. As the, 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 the people's front of the Gal United media team wouldn't appreciate that type of... We have an unbelievable media team. Like, it's... It's uh, and and so in the game on Friday, I went back to the old stand, which was actually going back in time. Um, so the old stand is kind of obviously where the fans are, and it was like that's where I went when I was literally about twenty years ago when I was a kid, and it was going back, and, and you could see these characters that I hadn't seen. Sorry, in ages. Johnny, you weren't you weren't a kid. You're twenty years ago. We're old. You're actually eighteen. Seventeen. 17. It's eighteen. Yeah. Huh? Well, yeah. Anyway. But that, that stand, as anyone will remember, you scored against. What an atmosphere. Like, you'd have both sets of fans in it, everyone standing, like, real corrugated roof. And, um, yeah, Jesus, it, it was great memories, actually. It was, I was very nostalgic, Dan, I'm not going to lie, while it's looking on my phone as England drew the law with Scotland. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Ogbeni, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> like, you, you think about it, <laughs> you, you, you skillfully steered us away from that. Ogbeni, actually, really, when you think about it, um, is it, there's, 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 there's the obvious League of Ireland success stories that people talk about all the time. You know, Coleman and, you know, James McLean and uh, whoever you want to name yourself. But, like, there's so many ones that actually are, are even more impressive in a way because, like, the likes of Coleman and McLean, once they got started playing for their clubs, it was clear that they were probably very outstanding players and they were going to go eventually once they got a bit of a run. But when you think of someone like Ogbené, who when he went from Cork to Limerick, you know, it wasn't an obvious thing that in a couple of years' time this guy would be playing in the championship, playing for Ireland. And sometimes there's the likes of Owen Doyle, you know, who who had to maybe went to Sligo Rovers and found his rhythm here in Sadlier to some degree, different, you know, that he came in from England. But like sometimes they're the stories, the the ones that um like if we if if the league wasn't functioning in any way, like the, some of these players might have drifted out of the game completely. Like if it was the old part-time regime, you know, like the opportunity to go and play full-time somewhere, like Owen Doyle did in Sligo, probably saved his career in a way that it mightn't have if it was a part-time league, you know, for some of these players, if you know what I mean, like completely part-time. Mm. Um, and it's, it's like there's, there's, there's always guys who develop, although listening to people talk about Benny, he was obviously clearly an exceptional talent in terms of his GEA and, and Nemo Rangers and how he was perceived. And, so and maybe it was just and saying she played with him at the Shells where And in fairness, I suppose from the perspective of Caulfield, I mean, Cork um, went on to win everything in 2017 and clearly, you know, well, or sorry, you know, went on to win the double in 2017 and, and clearly there was a sense that, um, you know, opportunities maybe were going to be limited and, and you know, sometimes... You know, you think of Sean Williams back and draw it back in the day, like a very good player, but couldn't get into what was an experienced league winning team at that time. 
and had to go on loan oh, yeah. to, to start his career. Totally. So like Ogbeni is an example like that, maybe in a way. The, the, the Rovers bench last night, though, Dan, I swear to God, it was like, is, is there a minor game on here? I'm, I'm at a GA game. I was like, I was looking over to my left and I was looking at these lads coming up the, you know, the steps and the stands and they honestly looked like junior start students and maybe they, maybe they are literally that young. I was like, this Rovers, uh, this Rovers bench is very, very young with Aaron Green, Finn and the, the sub-keeper. But it was like, how have Rovers got a situation where Bowles have a far stronger bench than them? And um, Bradley yeah, hasn't kind of really yeah. introduced as many. He's brought in Max Murphy and the likes. But um, yeah, anyway, it's interesting times. Yeah, they are missing a lot of players. And they've got, apparently, mm. Anthony Stokes playing a trial game for them. Um, Indeed. So um, what a what a character that would be to add to the league. We'll, we can discuss that if if wasn't playing that well, apparently. Now, um, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, but he's, he's been out of the game for a while. But... I suppose, I mean, if he's if he's up for playing at home, you would have thought someone would take a chance from chance on him. But I'd imagine, um, he, even though he hasn't been playing, I wouldn't imagine he would come cheaply. Um, Let's get to the fixtures. Anyway, this weekend's fixtures, right, on Friday, Waterford against St. Patrick's Athletic. That's an interesting one. Waterford building a bit of form. Pats, if they are going to challenge, though, these are the type of games you need to go and win. Um, the dog Actually, 3-0 there last season. Yeah, the dog Derry City. You're going to have Vinnie Perth uh, on one uh, in one dugout, and, and Rory Higgins is old assistant on the other, and that's going to be Patching's last game test. for Derry. Then I guess no, he will. can't play as part. He can't play as part oh, yeah. of the terms of the long. So he's done. So he's, he's done. The yeah. last game would have been the last game would have been Monday. Yeah, um, oh, not a wow. late comeback for Derry. They've become the experts, sort of going behind and then um, mm. pulling it out. You know, they 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 they've, they've, they've I know Shamrock Rovers are the masters at a late goal this year, but um, Derry aren't committed miles behind them. But um, that's an interesting one. Um, Finn Harps Longford. See, there we go. I mean, this is the game where Finn Harps gonna like if they win this, all of a sudden their gap looks pretty, probably you know quite comfortable again. If you think that Waterford wouldn't beat some Pats, you know what I mean? Like they can change very quickly, and maybe maybe all the Harps energies this week are just focused about those three points against Longford on Friday. Uh, Shamrock Rovers draw it. United is where I'm going. Um, I gather there's actually away fans at that fixture. It's going to be a small allocation of away fans. Nice. Um, and uh, even a suggestion, even the burger vans might even be open, which weren't allowed. Um, we're moving at a very slow pace, as discussed with Liam Holton from Future Ticketing previously, about what we're allowing here. Um, and like beyond the Shamrock Rovers and Dog game next week, there's still no certainty on future trial events, but... Um, I do get the sense that maybe some of the European games might come into focus if possible. Um, you know, particularly the clubs with better facilities, I think we'll have a chance of maybe getting decent crowd at their European games, which would be very good um, for those clubs. And um, that's that's on Friday. And then Saturday, Sligo Rovers, Bohemians, which is, Time I mean, arguably, I was going to say, arguably the game of the weekend, really, isn't it, at the moment? Um, if both and, have and won Rovers sort of, in their team... They are susceptible to someone as fast as like Romeo Parks or someone like that. Um, as nearly yeah, as yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's just like Rovers obviously need to be careful because they had such a great buzz going into the break and they've they've um and they haven't won coming out of it. So and they just yeah they like it's 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 such so a big one for them. Top, then. No, exactly. And listen, but they had great momentum going into the break, and obviously the break comes come at a good and a bad time. Um, but yeah, I think that's. But I think yeah, probably both Sligo probably is the, the the game of the weekend in some respects. Um, 
And then in the first division, Johnny, um, I'm going to do these in reverse order in a way for a reason. Um, so on Saturday, we've got Cove Ramblers, Wexford Utes. Um, Friday, Shelburne against Cork City. Still look at that fixture in paper and think, how can that be a first division game? But it is. Cavan Teeley, UCD. Um, the, uh, what's that, the N11 derby? Um, and um, you know, not sure if many people around the N11 will be talking about it during the week. And then Athlone, Bray, and then Treaty United and your beloved Galway United. Um, I think some of the FAI top brass are going down to Treaty United on Friday. Jonathan Hill might be there, the FAI CEO, um, because they're going to have some fans in at a game for the first time, albeit um, a small number. And it's not the opening night you would like for them in terms of crowds, but um, they're doing a great job. We're getting a real momentum going there. Yeah, that's. I'm looking forward to that game actually. And yeah, Treaty, Treaty have had a cracking start under. Oh, I think Tommy Bart's done an unbelievable job there. They literally threw a team together. Didn't know when they were going to get in. Um, the, the only shame about the first division, it really would be better for everyone except Shells, obviously, if they did drop a few points, give everyone a bit of hope. Because other than that, it's this massive scrap that essentially goes down as far as Cove. Um, for the yeah, playoffs, but that's but, a, but listen, it could be worse, Johnny, if it was just first and second in the playoff. To be fair. absolutely, I know, I know, absolutely. I know what you're saying, but it doesn't look like any team behind is capable of being consistent enough to challenge them. Like you know, you need, like you need Shells to have a big collapse, but also in reality, when you have a team out in front like that, the pack's not going to come for them. It has to be one team that comes for them, and it's hard to see that team materialise and realise. The Shells aren't going to drop enough points that's going to open it up for everyone else. I wouldn't have thought you need you need a team to win a load on the bounce, including beat shells, and then maybe that opens it up. But I, I think the gap is so big there that it's just very hard to it's very hard to see it. Like, what's the gap between shells and third place at the moment? I mean, it's quite yeah. Well, even think, isn't yeah, it? shells and second is on it's eleven points. Part. It's 11, mm. 11 points to third. You know, so like, if you're thinking, you know, a team. For a team that's in the third to get into it, like they need to like win four in a row and hope Shells lose four in a row in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. already like in a season that's what you know twenty seven games long, and um, yeah, I think I think unless it's really in many respects, like unless Treaty can just keep it up, it's hard to see a race a race development there. I would have thought. Um, I don't know. Any AO is at the end of the meeting here. Any AOB, any other other banners we need to discuss before we wind up this week? Are we happy enough? What about Modric's goal? Like just you know, watching it there. What? Class is permanent. I have to say, like, yeah, I mean, um his pass like, actually for the chance to... earlier was even better, I think. It was just this slot. One of my there. uh yeah, oh, he's class. One of my like it's it's rare, like really I get to see. Occasionally, like, you know, it's like people back in the day talk about seeing as Zidane play, you know, for Bordeaux against Bowes or... or we get the ball certain, in a minute, they used to chant. Yeah, but like, you know, are, are certain superstar players, this was a League of Ireland level, you do see stars of the future, you know, uh, play, you know, at a certain stage. But I've had a couple of ones like that, but I have to say, seeing Modric play, so in your 2008, it was the first time we ever went to a major tournament. And I saw... Uh, Croatia played Germany in Klagenfurt uh, in Austria and Modric was sensational and for some reason the press box seat was like one of those ones like White Hart Lane where you're right in behind like you're three rows from the front like you're at pitch level and Modric seeing a young Modric run the show that day 
was something else. And like that was the summer that um that he uh, he joined Spurs, and you're sort of thinking, yes, this guy is is the business. The fact that he's still doing it, what thirteen years later, and um, but that was great. I then I proceeded to get lost walking back from the, the stadium to the train station. Uh, had a disastrous night uh, and ended up arriving in Switzerland around 11 a.m. the following morning after no sleep because I missed the direct train and I had to get on um, I had to get on six different trains. So I kept having to wake up every 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Um, and listen, the only way the anecdote could get worse is if I met Ross Tierney's brother on the last stop, but I didn't. I didn't meet him on the last I stop. I was uh, so, very glad, by the way. That was uh, episode 15 in association with futureticketing.ie. Um, and uh, yeah, a, a show again that just like the life just bled out of it for the last 10 or 15 minutes. Now 10 to 11 as we finish recording here. I'm, uh, yeah, I, well, it was, it was a great show to be fair. As, as it's, uh, it's, 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 ten, it's, ten to, it's 10 to 9 somewhere else, Johnny, you know, but when mm. people listen but to it's this, it's any hour of the day. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. All right, yeah, we're, sure we're done. done. Thank you.